Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Today, we are talking with Dr. Shelby Harris, who is a licensed clinical psychologist, a specialist in behavioral sleep medicine, and an expert in momsomnia. She is also author of the book, The Women's Guide to Overcoming Insomnia, Get a Good Night's Sleep Without Relying on Medication. We can all use this episode today, and it's so important. So, Dr. Shelby, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's start first with what is momsomnia? So, it's funny. It's a term that's been around for a while. I had a lot of female friends that were talking about it. It's different from insomnia. So a lot of people are talking about like revenge bedtime procrastination. It's all the same thing. I had written about it just because friends of mine were talking about it in my book two years ago, three years ago now. And it's really just that feeling of I'm going, going, going for everyone else, whether it's work, my kids, everything, that at the night, once your kids go to bed, you just want to steal back the evening and actually do a few things for yourself. So mm-hmm. when that happens, fine, do stuff for yourself. Stay back a little evening. People tend to get a little carried away. And what happens, they stay up too late, binge watching TV, doing things on social media, whatever it might be, even chores. It doesn't matter that you mm-hmm. sacrifice sleep. And that's where it becomes a real problem. So it's an issue of sleep deprivation. It's different from insomnia, which is you make time for sleep. You just can't sleep. Momsomnia mm-hmm. is like you're just burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. Let's back up a minute then and talk Mm -hmm. about why this is a thing, like why moms have momsomnia and why it's so hard for us to prioritize sleep because it makes sense to me. Like this idea, this happens with me too. Like this idea of I've done all this stuff for my kids. I couldn't get to that email that I wanted to send, or I just want to go watch like, you know, marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Like that Mm -hmm. sounds like a really fun thing to do. So why is it though that we know sleep is important? Why don't we prioritize it in our lives as moms? I think because sleep is so passive in a way. Like we don't see it in our face as much and see the benefits of it. We just kind of assume that it's retired and we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. see that we're tired. Yes, because we're busy. We have kids, we're working, all these things, but we don't always see that lack of sleep can cause those things as well. And there's so much to do in this world that we want to do that the only time to do it feels like it's at night. And then what Mm -hmm. happens is it cuts into sleep because you don't necessarily see the benefits of sleep in your face. And I think that's a part of the the reason. And then also with technology, it's so much easier to get caught in that cycle more so than ever before, because it's right in our hands. We can, we can scroll, you can, and there's no real way to set a limit on it. So we're very like focused on our kids having good sleep routines, but for ourselves, it's like, Oh, whatever. 
I'm just going to do what I need to do. And it also helps for some people to kind of just make you feel like a, almost a human being again in a weird way, mm-hmm. like that evening time. Like, look, I am an adult. I can do things that I like instead of spending all my time doing anything for everything else. But like I said, sleep gets sacrificed. I don't know if you find this, but I find also that this whole like tired mom thing is kind of uh, like almost a badge of honor that we wear sometimes, or it's this like cultural rite of passage Mm -hmm. that if you're a mom, you're kind of supposed to be tired. Do you find that sometimes with your clients? Oh, 100%. You know, I think it not even patience, it's just talking to anybody. If you look on Instagram, there's like memes left and right about just being tired and it's just sort of normalized. You're a physician, right? Think mm-hmm. about it in medical school, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of the older school ways of thinking about this, you sleep or you're dead, right? Right now it's go, go, go. We're constantly trying to accomplish things and it's making the problem so much worse. And that badge of honor is I think the biggest problem. It's like, look, you can power through, you can override your biology when the reality is you can't. It's interesting. This morning I was actually at a exercise class, which in order to get to this class, it starts at six o'clock in the morning. So the woman always jokes, it's like serial killers and Pete Davidson are the only other people awake other than us, you know? And I go to it two times a week. And in order to do it, I have to like get yeah. myself to bed at like nine, eight forty-five, nine o'clock at night, so mm-hmm. that, that way I'm rested enough to be able to wake up in the morning. And she was talking this morning, ironically, about the idea of our biology and how our biology is designed for us to not be in constant motion, that our biology is designed, even our hearts, like if you think about it, like it pumps, it contracts, and then it pauses. It contracts, and then it pauses. It's not meant to be a constant flutter. Mm -hmm. And I think about that with sleep, about how many benefits there are for myself yeah. and for other women, just for the real pause, <laughs> like how big a deal it is and how much actually more effective we are when we do take that pause, when we actually give ourselves the rest that we need, that, yeah. that, you know, we have this badge of honor that we're wearing as moms of like, cause I can get so much more done, but in reality, yeah. like you get more done when you're rested. Right. I usually challenge, it's so true. I usually challenge a lot of people who are working with me to take to just two weeks. I always find two weeks is kind of that sweet spot. And I say, if you Mm -hmm. commit to this bedtime and this wake time, and you really try to commit to 10, 15 minutes of wind down, I don't care, whatever you can commit to, but try to get a little more sleep, see how it is in two weeks, and then we'll talk. And if they say it made no difference, whatever, okay, then we'll have another talk. But I do Mm -hmm. find that, like you were kind of saying a minute ago, is that the more you get better quality sleep and enough sleep, you become more effective in your daily life. I find a lot of times, at least for myself, and I'm not immune to it. I spend nights, I have nights where I get sucked into watching mm-hmm. Marvelous Miss Maisel or yeah. you know, like Gilded Age right now. I'm just sucked into it. That it's the sort of thing where if I am more effective in my daily life, I'm not spinning my wheel so much at night and then mm-hmm. taking longer to do the other things I need to do that I can go to bed a little earlier. So mm-hmm. it's that two-week commitment that people really need to try to do and see if that makes a difference because oftentimes it really does change people's perspective. A night here and there isn't going to do enough. 
Yeah. I also find as I get older, this wasn't as true when I was younger and for sure not true when I was in medical school. Like now when I look back at medical school and residency, I'm like, I don't even know. That was a different person who did that. <laughs> like that's, that's not me. I couldn't do that now. But now my body, I feel like is quicker to send me the signal than it used to be that I didn't get enough sleep. Like if I don't get adequate sleep, I now 99% of the time get a migraine or have at least some type of low-level headache, or I feel more achy, or I get a stomach ache, or I feel nauseous during the day. And I find that with my patients too, and that I'm interested actually to hear what you have to say about this, that a lot of times when I challenge people, and even myself, with like, well, if you slept, actually I think that might solve some of the problems here. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of resistance to that being the thing. Like, I don't know right. if that's because like people are like, I know, but I can't do that. So I just have to find some other solution that's going to work for me because sorry, I can't get more sleep. <laughs> right. We're trying to out fake biology. And the reality is like you said, we need a pause. And I think people also, because sleep is so, it feels so passive because we're, mm -hmm. it's a lack of conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. I don't think people fully appreciate what happens when you're sleeping. Right. Mm -hmm. So not, a lot, aside from energy and helping to reduce sleepiness during the day and fatigue, the biggest things are, you know, it, heart, it helps to repair your body from damage during the day. Muscle growth, blood vessels are growing, neurons in your brain are growing, different stages of sleep are important, right? REM sleep is when your brain is making memories, your emotion processing is better. All those things for mood, all those things are the things that are important to help us function better during the day. And we don't usually see that so well because it's such a passive act when you are sleeping. And I think people just want that quick fix, that pill, that, that soda, whatever it is that's going to give you the energy. The reality is it's not going to do the repairing that sleep needs to do for us. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how with a jump to medication, how... It feels like people, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, in your field, mm -hmm. but like are quicker to go to a medication or more apt to say what's the magic pill mm -hmm. in this realm than they are with other with some other things. Like I feel like for anxiety or for depression, that a lot of people, even in my practice, would be like, well, I don't want to go on a medication, which yeah. sometimes they're right. They really need to do like the actual work. They need to get more sleep or more exercise. They need to go to a therapist, all that before they go on a medication. Mm -hmm. But with sleep, it feels like that is the question that I get every single time. It's like, is there something I could take to make this easier for myself? Right. Do you find that too? Oh, totally. And I find, like, I think a lot of the times people, they, we want a quick fix, which is part mm -hmm. of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an easy, it's a very, a lot of times with the more traditional anxiety, depression medications, we're not talking about like benzos and stuff, mm -hmm. but like those take weeks to work for a lot of people. Sleeping, right. it's, I'm going to try it tonight it'll work. It won't work. Like it's a very immediate kind of response. And right. the reality is that it does take work to change your biology, to change your sleep patterns, but it's not, it's hard, but it's temporarily hard. So if people come to me, not for mom's insomnia necessarily, but actual insomnia, which is super common more so mm -hmm. than ever before, it does take effort to track your sleep a bit, to change your bedtime, change your wake time, make some time for winding down, get some movement during the day. But that's what our bodies need to do right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're mm -hmm. built to do. And I think people don't appreciate that. And the other thing is when you're taking a lot of these meds, it's fine. There's a tiered approach. There's a place for them for sure, mm -hmm. but it's not going to give you the same quality kind of sleep that a routine good night of sleep is going to get you without meds. And I don't think people necessarily always think about that aspect. Sometimes you take stuff 
put you to sleep, but then you feel more groggy during the day. And then I'd argue, well, what was the point of it? If it's going to make you feel worse during the day, then what's the benefit? My opinion, there's not much. Right. Okay. So let's break it down in terms of momsomnia and insomnia. Yeah. If someone had momsomnia, aside from really trying to get real on why it is they have that feeling and mm-hmm. like how they need to actually make space for themselves yeah. in the middle of the day for themselves. What would you recommend for them to do to try to break their habit of momsomnia? Because yeah. momsomnia well, feels more like a habit. Obviously exactly. insomnia is like a more a medical, can be more of a medical problem. Yes. <laughs> 100%. It's it's about the focus, right? When people have insomnia, they think about sleep a lot. I need to sleep. Why can't I sleep? People with momsomnia, they're like, eh, I know I should sleep, right? So mm-hmm. think about your why when it's momsomnia, right? So the first thing I would say is like, why do you feel like you need to get sleep or you should get more sleep, but you're not doing it? What does sleep help you with? How do you feel during the day? Try to find mm-hmm. thing to connect it to other than just, I should go to bed earlier. Well, mm-hmm. what benefits is it going to have for you? Really think about it that way. The other things are like the turn off your phone. It's such a simple thing. But if you're in your bed and you get sucked with scrolling, get an alarm clock, an actual old school alarm clock and keep your phone outside the room. That's the first step. It's hard to break at the beginning, but that's an easy one that people often get sucked into. The other big ones I have are like setting timers. So you could have on on a lot of the phones, they have timers that will go off that will say it's time for your bedtime routine. Set it yourself if you want. You need to have like a set bedtime and work backwards, even though I know it's not perfect. Like I don't have the same bedtime every night, but it's around the same time. And I know about a half hour, 45 minutes before I'm going to turn the lights down. I'm going to start winding down and have a routine towards bed. And if you have reminders for that, you can have lights, there are alarm clocks, there are smart bulbs. You can have that start to dim to set that tone for you. And the other big thing is like, you can set your phone. You can have like, no one wants to do this, but they can set the screen time limits. They can have their phone actually turn off. If you really Mm -hmm. need to make it a, you have to break that habit at first. And then the one other big thing that I recommend to people all the time is a lot of like, if you're watching a show, which is fine, a lot of them have autoplay. So they go right into the next show and into Mm -hmm. the next show. Many of the streaming services have the function to actually turn that off. So you don't, Mm -hmm. it will make you make a conscious decision at the end of an episode, whether you want to choose sleep or another episode. So you've had, you need multiple reminders and also the setting around you with the lights, whatever, to help really get you into sleep. And then if you avoid it and you still don't do it, then you need to think about why are you not making yourself a priority? Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered. We want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned as you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the app store. And I think that is the tough one. I think that, that is, I think people feel so stuck. I think moms feel so stuck in, I like what you said earlier, I want some piece of myself 
And yet my attention is pulled in so many different directions Mm -hmm. during the day because I feel like I'm the only one who's actually responsible for all of these different things in my life and that Mm -hmm. all of the expectations on me are relatively unreasonable. So then at the end of the day, like that's how I'm prioritizing myself. And I love what you said about choosing kind of an incentive or a thing that you're looking to on the next day that makes it so that you have a reason to go to sleep. Because I really feel like it's incredibly difficult to break a habit until you know what you're saying, to say no to something, until you know what you're saying yes to. <laughs> like, exactly. what is the thing that you're saying yes to? You know, for me, a lot of times in my professional work, it was about, I want to be able to say yes to being attuned enough in my office with my patients that when they walk in, the first thought in my mind, this is going to sound terrible, but it's true, is not like, why did you come here and bother me today? Please leave. Why why would you make an appointment here today? I don't want to see you. Just go home. Like, like I wanted to not feel like that when I was seeing patients. And I also didn't want to make mistakes. And I didn't want to be cavalier, right? So that was my yes at work. With it yeah. with my kids, it was that, you know, I don't want to blow up at my kids. I don't want to be on my edge. You know, it's okay for me to get angry and sometimes that's going to happen no matter what. But I saw that when I'm sleep deprived, I'm more likely to get angry with them and at my husband and to pick fights and do all these things. And so that's what I started trying to say yes to. Yeah. Irritability is a huge one for so many parents. They're they're noticing that they're just getting so reactive with their kids over things that normally would not be as big of an issue. And, you know, it's, of course we're going to get irritable from time to time, but Mm -hmm. if it helps to sleep is that equalizer, right? It brings that baseline down a little bit. And there are so many things like, it doesn't have to be such a big thing. Like, I don't want to get irritable. I don't want to have the issues at work. It could be something like, you know what, I'm trying to eat better in my life because my doctor wants me a little bit more healthy. And if you're not sleeping enough, guess what? You naturally reach towards all the foods that aren't so great because you mm-hmm. need quick energy fixes. So if there are other things that you're working on in your life that you're struggling with, sleep might actually help to make those a little bit more accessible for you. How about the insomnia piece? Tell yeah. me about that, about what people can do for that. And I think probably some of the solutions for that will be similar to what people could do for creating a practice around momsomnia too, right? Well, tell me what people can do if they're experiencing true insomnia. They want to sleep, but they cannot sleep. So insomnia is literally trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking too early. And it's happening at least three nights a week for multiple weeks on end. We don't really call Mm -hmm. it chronic until it's going on for three months because honestly, there's stress in the world. And if you have a week or two or three of poor sleep, you're a human being. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't get better, that's when you need to really start thinking about doing something with someone. So what are the treatments? So we always, like I said, we think of it as a tiered approach. So it's the same monsomnia stuff, right? You have to sleep is not an on-off switch. You need to slowly kind of dim your brain, relax your body into sleep. That's always the first step. So if you can only commit 10 minutes to getting into before bed, start there. Then maybe work on 15 minutes of a wind down routine. And then there's the basic sleep hygiene stuff that we always hear, you know, limit caffeine eight hours before bed, don't nap, limit screens an hour before, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But if you have chronic insomnia, that's usually not enough. So you Mm -hmm. still should do that stuff. But then when you start noticing it's not enough, 
Then you talk about stuff like cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. So that's my area of specialty. That's, there are apps for it. There are books. Like I wrote a book. You can see someone specifically. It's a very, very short-term effective treatment where we change bedtimes, wake times, what you're doing in bed. Sometimes we do meditation, relaxation. It varies. But the, the general stuff is like changing the timing of your sleep and what you're trying to do to force sleep. And it works for many people in two to eight sessions. It's not a long-term commitment. And if that's not enough, it's just as effective as meds. It works better in the long run. If that's not enough, then we talk about medications. We talk about other options. Mm-hmm. Some women, it's perimenopause. In their 30s, you can start having perimenopause. And that should be a discussion to have with your gynecologist. There are things that might be effective if you find you're really having trouble with sleep. So like I keep saying, it's a tiered approach. But if the sleep sleep hygiene is enough, then you talk about cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. And you find a doctor who will actually listen to you. Because the thing for women that I hear a lot of times too is it's normal, like you were saying, badge of honor, right? Oh, it's normal as you get into your 30s, 40s. It's totally normal to not sleep. Just deal with it. And that's when you need to find a better doctor. Well, let me say too, from experience and being there, Mm -hmm. I mean, ironically, like doctors are like the worst people to give people sleep advice, <laughs> right? Because we don't practice what we preach no. because we tell everybody to get great sleep. And then we've had years and years of not getting great sleep. And we're kind of proud of ourselves that we were able to function at the level that we were, you know, without the sleep. I mean, I think that that, that, that was a cognitive shift that I really had to make about Like I just saw a quote the other day that said like, your burnout is not helping anyone. And I think it's like for, for physicians, your sleep deprivation is not helping anyone. To moms, your sleep deprivation is not helping anyone. It's not helping you. It's not helping your kids. It's not helping you at your job. Like it's not helping anyone. So yes, I agree with you in terms of the physician piece that I think in pediatrics, it's a bit different because I think that we understand a little bit better about prevention and like, you know, diet and exercise and all that matters and and good sleep. But I think in general, as physicians, that you really do have to push with your provider to say like, no, I'm actually having a hard time. (laughs) You know, I actually Yeah. Right. And the reality too is like a lot of women struggle with anxiety. We struggle with depression. The sleep piece is just kind of ignored for a lot of times and thinking that, you know, if they feel better with their anxiety, depression, look at better. The reality is that actually, if you work on the sleep, we see this over and over again in research, it helps to improve their depression and anxiety or bolster the treatment that they're getting, whether it's psychotherapy or medication or whatever, the sleep is necessary. So don't ignore it, treat it as a separate issue. And then hopefully you'll start to see some more improvements, but seriously, you got to give it a few weeks of really trying. Yeah. What about in the postpartum period? I have my own ideas, but I think this is an important part to touch on too, because I think this aspect, the sleep aspect is missed hugely in the postpartum depression and anxiety space. Like why aren't we trying to find solutions for moms to sleep, even if their babies aren't sleeping? Like that should be our focus to to really be attacking postpartum depression and anxiety in my mind should be to be the sleep piece. A hundred percent. And I think it's definitely not talked about enough. And what we see is that if you can get at least a four hour window of real solid sleep that's uninterrupted, it helps buffer against postpartum depression, and postpartum anxiety. And I think mm-hmm. people need to talk with their OBGYNs bef- well before the baby arrives to try and come up with plans. I get it. Sometimes it's not possible to get help in the middle of the night and you just have to do the best you can. And we do what we can, 
But whatever is possible to think about planning in ahead, because you can't ever plan what a baby's sleep is going to look like. You just can't. But you can try and get some help. And if you can protect four hours, especially if you're someone who was prone to have anxiety or depression before the baby, it will benefit you so much more because we do find that the rates of postpartum depression, anxiety go up significantly if you had it pre-pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. the sleep is a huge piece that I think people aren't talking about enough and we really need to address it more. Well, and I think this speaks to, you know, as a nation, we have this obsession with like spending money on the gear, spending money on like a fancy crib, making sure our babies look like super cute at all times, spending money on like newborn photos. And obviously there are tons of women who they don't have money for any of that and they still are struggling with their sleep. But there are a lot of people who are like overspending on those things as they prepare for their newborn and underspending on help to get them sleep. So my recommendation is always to my parents, okay, it could be a friend who has older kids who is willing to come and help you. Like, I'd much rather have that than a meal train. You know what I mean? Come give me a sleep train. That's what I want. Um, (laughs) I can take out whenever I need. I need someone to come and stay over, right, and help. Exactly. You know, hold my baby with your partner. And this is why paid Mm -hmm. parental leave is so important. Yes. To have partners who are able to be the person who's the go-to in the middle of the night, who learns to be the soother in chief. And then if you can't afford it, of course, like a doula would be amazing. You know, like a sleep coach person in the middle of the night would be amazing. But not all of us could afford, can't afford that. But you can afford to think about like telling people what your needs are ahead of time or planning for this will be my Mm -hmm. actual need and figuring out like where equity really is responsible especially in heteronormative relationships is one partner and the other. I I have seen so much in my LGBTQ families, like better sleep for the two moms or the two dads. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. If you've seen this, but this is like anecdotal, it's not based off a study, but it's gotta be true because there's more equity between them. Yes. A hundred percent. I've definitely seen that. And I think You know, I think the other thing too is like, it's just a conversation that has to be had before the baby comes because people try Mm -hmm. to figure it out once they're in a sleep deprived state and they have enough (laughs) other stressors. They're trying, like I said earlier, you can't predict what your baby's sleep is going to be like the first few months, even longer. I mean, and people are like so focused, which I get on how can I get my, I get calls about from people that want to get their baby sleeping really well one month out. Like that's not, we're not doing that. No, no, nope. we're not doing that. And it's more about, well, how can we protect hours for you so that you're not so feeling so burnt out to try and force your baby to do something they're biologically not able to do? So if, yeah. if OBAs can really have that conversation, pediatricians, whoever, earlier on before the baby arrives, it alleviates so much more stress than trying to figure it all out and kind of grasp straws and whatever you can do in that moment. Yep, for sure. The two books I want to plug on that, one, Jancy Dunn, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids, because she talks about the biology of why that's not like exactly the way we're wired, especially in male-female relationships, and so what you can think about and conversations you can have ahead. And then, of course, I got to plug my own book, because we talk about like how can you actually get more sleep for yourself, what are the things you can do. And then, Dr. Shelby, I want people to hear about where they can find out more about you and about your book, and they can get more help for themselves so that they can get on the sleep train. We love it. You can find me. I have a website, drshelbyharris.com. It's D-R for doctor. 
I have an Instagram that I'm pretty active on and a lot of people contact me through there. So that's just Sleep Doc Shelby. And then I also have a book that came out a few years ago called The Women's Guide to Overcoming Insomnia, Get a Good Night's Sleep Without Relying on Medication. And that's widely available, Amazon, everywhere you can get it online. And it's it's really for women who are struggling with insomnia of all different ages. But the secret is, although it's for women, if you know someone else who's, who's not a woman that is having some issues with insomnia, can, they can benefit from it too, a little bit too. Yeah. And then I have a private practice in New York, Westchester, but I see people virtually from all over New York and you can contact me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. The message Thank that you. I heard loud and clear is for most moms, it comes back to that why and to that idea of prioritizing yourself and figuring out what you want to say yes to once you're starting to get motivated about making a change around sleep. A hundred percent. So important. mama. If you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.